The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my buddy, Peter Overzet. And, uh, you know, first off, I just really wanted to have a conversation with Peter on a podcast because I like to talk to Peter. He is, uh, he's, he's, he's fun to chat with. And, uh, I think that this was a, a pretty interesting conversation. You know, we talked about the XFL as Peter is, of course, an XFL thought leader. Uh, you know, we, we jammed a little bit on zero RB. We talked a little bit about Bitcoin, some off season, you know, healthy habits, quote unquote, as Peter and I definitely both struggle with, you know, not being on social media all the time, creating time to, uh, you know, uh, just maybe not meditate, but, you know, just kind of unplug, get off of the grid for a little bit. So I think this will be a pretty relatable conversation for a lot of you guys. And I think that, uh, you know, because Peter is the best, I think a lot of you guys are going to enjoy this discussion. Of course, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes. Uh, I did a little XFL recap this week. Uh, going to be doing some more stuff like that over the course of the offseason. Just, uh, you know, kind of some some fun content, some stuff that I want to put out. Of course, you can also subscribe to dailyroto.com, who sponsors this podcast. You can use the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S, to get a discount for that. And uh, you can also just go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That is useful and helpful as well. And now let's go ahead and get into the show. All right, everyone. Bringing in XFL thought leader, Peter Overzet. Couldn't be more excited. Uh, You know, I just, I miss being able to be on camera with you once a week, man. It's, I, it's, it's been a bummer to not be able to do that. I know, man. I keep getting the, uh, the mentions. The people want an XFL swole cast. I don't know. We might have to give it to them. 
Uh, it's just like at like asking Tuttle to do research on XFL and then asking Kitchen to like learn more player names. I feel like those guys, they're just not as dedicated to working as hard as you and I are. Like we just, we really, we just put our noses to the grindstone, Pete. The funny thing is, is I was, I was really ready to sail off into the off season sunset. I, I'm not kidding. I was going to sit the XFL out. I saw, I sat the AF league out last year and I was like this is great I'm just gonna ignore it it folded I proved correct and then you and Ian started taunting me about my XFL content and I got sucked back in and now I'm just all in and have you know quickly risen up the ranks to become a thought leader and uh and now my entire weekends are shot again do you do you feel bad that you didn't play the team that everyone else played on DraftKings last week. Like there was, there was a situation where in double ups, there was this one specific XFL lineup on DraftKings that was owned by like 70% of the players. Do you feel bad that you didn't have that lineup, even though your lineup was better? Yeah, I know. I took down both you and Levitan. Those were the, the full game cash I had. I think you got my, so the one biggest advantage I thought that there was on the four game slate was stacking up that, Houston. Houston rough next and bringing it back with Spruce. Yeah, you played Spruce gonna... over um, McKeel McKay, right? Yeah. Which was, which was good. You're sharp. Yeah, that was the only advantage I thought. I was like, people aren't going to go as all in on this team. And then I, I gave a lot of it back on Sunday because I was like, whatever, how mummy dude, he can turn Philip Nelson into a legend. And uh, that didn't work out. At all. That was, uh, I mean, as as the kids say, that was a pretty tough scene. What are your What are your thoughts about the league overall? Like, are you do you think Do you think that this is good? Do you think that this like are like when you watch the games where you're like, yeah, this is enjoyable. Like, this is for me. It was like watching a Mac football game, basically. Here's the thing. Like, I I don't even I don't specifically like the NFL. I just like playing fantasy or DFS Sports. football. Yeah. yeah, and the same thing for me. It's like. I don't, I don't know if this is weird to say. It's almost like when you play showdown, right? And it's a bad game. It's like, well, if your players are doing good or the game script you went with is doing good, it doesn't matter. You're not, you're just trying to beat the other people in the game. It's like, we're all dealing with this bad play, but we're all still playing under the same rule. So I don't even really care when the level of play is bad because I'm like, the only reason I'm watching this is to see if I can beat other people at fantasy it we're all dealing with the same bad game so i don't know it doesn't tilt me um yeah it didn't tilt me either oh well it tilted me on sunday when i had because i had aaron murray in the two game in the two game on fanduel and i was like this is one of the worst like this it was horrible to watch aaron murray play again Well, the thing about that frustrated me about that two game was I went all in on Philip Nelson. So when I watched Aaron Murray bomb and knew everyone had him, I was like, oh, we're about to print today. I literally missed, I played one of the $100 uh, single entries on FanDuel the two day. I missed the cash line Davis by 2.6 points with like a renegades onslaught, like literally anything, one touchdown. Yeah, maybe no touchdowns. It just was like so frustrating. But yeah, back to our whole thing. I don't care about like the quality of the product. I thought it was just entertaining from a production value standpoint. I mean, getting to hear the referee in the booth talk it out and do it quickly, like I don't know. I thought they, that was really done well. And the, the coolest thing is the kickoff 
because they yep. all get returned. There's going to be no touchbacks. The fact that the reviews happen right, like that you that you get to go in the booth for the reviews, and that uh, you get to hear some of the play calls, right? Like yeah. that is all that is all very awesome. Like that's just that that stuff was all cool. And like how mummy's towel also. Yeah. And I don't give a shit about the sideline interviews or that access because players aren't going to ever really tell you anything interesting anyways, but it's hearing the coaches talk, hearing the refs talk, like all the things that you're not normally privy to where you actually get cool insight into how this stuff is going down. I thought was uh, made it interesting, but I I'm telling you right now, I can't, I did it this weekend. I can't watch four football games over the weekend. Like I can't do it. So I'm going to be downshifting out of sweating. I'm still going to play XFL DFS, but I can't watch four games Davis. Why? Why can't? Cause you have a, cause you have like a life and a, you got stuff to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably don't even have that much stuff to do. I just, I can't justify how sick would it be if it was all four games on at once and we had a red zone channel, that would be the pinnacle. That I mean, you are, you are correct that that would be, that would be like a lot better of like a, well, it would be, I would, so it would be a lot more conducive for like living right for like like the the fact that the fact that i had to dedicate like nine hours of my weekend to following these games because like i i want to play more xfl dfs too so like i thought an important part of that was like watching the games to like understand like how are these guys getting used are the offenses good like so on and so forth and uh yeah, like I like I I basically I basically realized I had to watch that first weekend. I think I could probably get away uh not watching like and, and still playing now though. Well, yeah, and now when we look at the schedule, we have a little bit of a feel for what we're getting. So when we see like Vipers and the Dragons, I can just be like, "Nah, wave." You know? Uh, you know, it's like, right. "Oh, is Philip Walker playing? Okay, is Landry Jones playing?" Um this is after I just said that I didn't care about the level of QB play, but yeah, I can't be sweating these for eight hours every weekend. So yeah, that's I, so I'm, I'm I'm probably I'm probably uh I'm I'm probably gonna be on the uh on the same wavelength as you. Uh, okay, have you been able to read any books over the off season? So yeah, I think it was. Did we talk? Was it like a year ago when we did the first podcast? Um, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, last year I was locked into just such a good morning routine. And I finally this week just like put my foot down. And um, I hadn't been using uh, an alarm clock for probably the past year. Um, But I had gotten into some bad habits here of just like staying up late and then sleeping in a little bit later. So just this week, I started setting my alarm to get up earlier just to kind of reset my body clock. And that's now got me back to reading and doing the things I like to do in the morning and get my day off on the right start. But uh, as far as reading, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, Japan in a month. So I've been reading a bunch of Murakami. He's my favorite. Have you ever, have you ever not traveled on a weekend? (laughs) Have you ever, have you ever spent a weekend at your, your home in uh, the Boston suburbs ever? Last last weekend watching Brandon Silver's. uh, (laughs) uh, so. So you decided, you decided that was enough of that. Just never again. Although it's funny you say that because I'm already looking to make a pilgrimage back to, uh, the uh, MetLife to watch a, a Guardians to go, So I'm going to go, the Battlehawks' first home game is not this weekend, but February 23rd, and I'm going for sure. Wait, okay, because I have one weekend basically coming out because I'm going to be gone for a lot of March. That's the one weekend I can go. Should I fly out and go to a Battlehawks game with you? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, that would be dope if you wanted to. All right. It'd be I'll pretty fun. Because that was the one weekend in the Guardians don't play that weekend. Um, one of my buddies, his uh, friend works in marketing at the XFL too. He just uh, put me in contact with her. So um, might be able to get us tickets. Who is our, who is our Patrick Laird going to be? I mean, there's so many slot wide receivers that are just <laughs> matching right now. Like, is it Spruce is like big, dude. He, I don't, I, think Spru- I mean, Spruce, Spruce should be an NFL player, honestly. Yeah. Like, he's um, good. Yeah. Do you know who I kind of, um, do you know who could probably be our Laird is um, that little like running back gadget player, uh, Holly on the Rough Nick Holly for the Roughnecks? Yeah. I, you, uh, think he, you think he's in? Well, I think uh, I think he's going to be a sneaky guy to play here uh, coming up because you can punt him off at least on Fanduel. You could play him in ru- at running back. At running back, and they they're using him as their like fourth guy in wide receiver sets and stuff too. So, I, I say you get in on the ground floor of the Holly train. Well, let me tell you this: no league has running backs ever mattered less ever ever than the XFL. I mean, it's like the, these dudes. Like, every team used, like, four guys. Like, guys who weren't even listed on depth charts were, like, getting goal line touches. Like, it, it really does not matter in the XFL, which I love. It was so good. What was it? Lance Dunbar wasn't even on the depth chart. It had just, yeah. like, outproduced Cameron Artist Payne. I mean, you love to see it. Everyone, everyone, all the, all the sharps were all over. We're all over cap. Yeah, it was... Uh, what can you do? It's, it's great. Yeah, all of the... Um, the scat backs and the pass catching backs are going to end up being way more valuable. I mean, and did we even get, was there even a single goal line rushing TD over the weekend? I don't think there was right there. I, so I don't believe there was a goal line rushing touchdown. There was a goal line rushing two point conversion. A couple right. of them. Uh, and I, Devion Smith for the guardians got one. Yeah, and he actually probably looked the best to me of any of the. Or, or the wait, is Devion Smith even on the Guardians? That may, that may, that might have been fake news. Oh no, Devion is Vipers, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it was Tim Tim Cook, I think. Okay, yeah, you're right. So yeah, but it's like it. All of these games are or teams have committee backs and stuff. So just getting to just pay down at running back to jam wide receivers, it feels so good. So next year for the, uh, the XFL main event, like our zero RB strategy is going to be, it's going to be pretty prime. I feel like. Dude, how did the FFPC and these providers not just throw up, cobble together some XFL best ball and season long drafts? So last year, I think there were, there were contests on fan ball, I believe. Does that, does that sound right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't know. It's like, I mean, the fact that the fact that DraftKings filled all of these GPPs in the first week seems like, seems like, I mean, they filled hundred K GPPs. Like that's wild. Dude, if DraftKings really wants to bankrupt me, put up contests for an XFL live final. I will just put my entire <laughs> net worth into trying to qualify for that. <laughs> oh my God. That would be, I mean, that would truly be, that would truly be uh, a site. All right. Is zero running back kind of dead, a little dead, or completely dead for real fantasy football? 
Okay. Well, from a content perspective, it is alive and well because there you there's nothing that does better impressions during draft season than talking about zero RB. So I assume you, myself, Denny Carter, we're going to keep talking about it uh, forever. Um, but as far as what the data says, I think zero true zero RB, not drafting your running back till the sixth round, that is – you know, that uh, gif of like the monkey that has the wires in its mouth on its last breast, the orangutan, that's kind of what real zero RB is. But the modified zero RB of only taking one RB in the first six rounds, not only is it alive and well, it is the optimal strategy for fantasy league. So I guess it's how we want to define it. Uh, I mean, I think that modified zero RB is like, that's like, that was like what I was about in 2019 was just like you you take cmc or dj or whoever in the first round and then you 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 stockpile wide receivers after that the the issue with that strategy this last year well really it was it was twofold right so we had we had the issue where a bunch of the uh bad running backs actually had good seasons like leonard fournette terrible draft pick turned out a good season but the the bigger issue was all of the fill-in running backs sucked and other than Michael Thomas the wide receiver ones didn't really give you much of an advantage at all right and and the thing that's interesting I think is actually looking okay what's a micro trend for this year and what is still actually the macro trend and I I gotta plug Jack Miller on Rotoviz had a great series in January um, looking at these hit rates and basically, the running backs, like you said, in rounds three through six, way outscored their historical trends. It was, like you said, Fournette, Carson, Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, imagine, even- imagine like the boomer teams like that drafted Henry, Fournette, and Chris Carson, and they're just laughing at all of the zero running back losers. Yeah, and, but this is why it actually sets up so perfectly again for next year is because wide receivers in rounds three through six also smash. And they historically always smash in that range. That's where we get our second-year breakout guys, you know, your DJ Moores, your Godwins, et cetera. Now this year, people are going to overdraft running backs in rounds three through six, chasing the Aaron Jones, Henry Carsons. We're going to scoop up the wide receivers, and people don't want to draft late-round running backs because we didn't have the Kamara or James Conner this year, and it was an anomaly outlier of a year for late running back hit so to me it sets up great again the problem is like you said I did modified zero RB in our in both of my high stakes drafts Damian Williams in one and David Johnson in the other and on paper structurally it looks great but there's still so many landmines with running backs I mean Damian shouldn't have even been a landmine I mean how like like what insane run bad? Like he should have been. Damien should have been like the RB six overall, and he just gets banged up. And then Lashawn McCoy gets a couple touches here and there, and Daryl Williams gets like a couple games here and there, and it just like it worked out in the exact worst possible way for Damien. But like, I, I'm probably gonna draft him in the second round this year again. Like, I, you can't stop me. <laughs> I mean, and that is the thing too. Like. That, I think, is the toughest part structurally. And I haven't – you've probably thought about it more than I have because I haven't really thought about redraft ADP and stuff. But it's like if you miss out on the McCaffrey or Barkley or whoever, Kamara, the guys you feel are good, then you're in that I got a guess range. Like yeah. if you nailed Dalvin Cook this year, like props to you, but that seemed dicey. And this year it's like, yeah, Damian is going to fit that mold. But people also were chasing carry-on 
and in a similar position too. So it's like, there's so much speculation of trying to hit it and thread the needle when the historical rates are just so poor for running backs in that range. And it's, but like, that's not going to matter to people at all. The fact that the historical rates, like uh, another interesting thing, I think that that Alvin Kamara might be like a second round pick this year because he was bad last year. And there's like, you know, oh, some will he, won't he with Drew Brees and like Taysom Hill goal line pack. There's going to like definitely Sean Payton at some point this offseason is going to be like, oh, yeah, we have a we have a package for Taysom. Right. Oh, yeah. Like that. That's (laughs) happening. I saw that stuff with Taysom Hill and how he wants to be a starting uh, QB. And I was like, can we get Taysom Hill to the Tampa Bay Vipers? Because that would spice (laughs) up this season. Imagine how fun that would be. That would, I mean, that would make the, like uh, watching Taysom Hill whelp around would, uh, would certainly, I think make the, uh, the season like a little bit more interesting, but yeah, I mean, like uh, there is, there's always this thing with NFL fans where like guys like Taysom Hill, uh, like just like the total tryhards, NFL people just love guys like that. They can't help themselves. So, like, all of these, like, like kind of intelligent football fans are like, oh, yeah, no, Taysom Hill can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And let me let me tell you this. Taysom Hill cannot be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He is, yeah. he is not good. Well, that's it goes back to the whole, like, dangers of watching the tape. Like, I think yeah. – uh, who who's a good example of this? Auden Tate this year had so many highlight reel catches, but – I don't even think he's he had like that a 37% catch rate. Yeah, yeah. He just makes every single catch look incredible, but it's like, that's not a guy you want to be chasing. But in our minds, we're like, no, that dude's good. You got it. I mean, you got to watch the film, dude. Yeah. I think uh, another interesting thing about next season is how early do George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go like not even in not even in the FFPC where it's tight end premium but I think that because there were a lack of like really dominant wide receiver seasons it would not surprise me if we have like a Jimmy Graham Rob Gronkowski thing going on with those guys where they're like both back end of the first round picks yeah but what do you because it always seems like that ADP is mostly reflective of just recency bias and where what was it two years ago we were coming off of the massive Kittle and Kelsey seasons yeah Um, and don't you think it might course correct a little bit this year just because none of them had that like top five even like tight end premium scoring season overall I I just I really think it's going to depend on how much um, conversation we like on just what people decide to do with the running backs who are do not project well but had good seasons last year. Like, is Derrick Henry really going to go fifth overall? Like, if that's if that's the case, then like I don't know. I have no I have no trust in the market to also not make similar decisions with George Kittle. Like, and just and just force him up. And those are the decisions that or you basically run into every year, right? Where it's like the people who are like, I got to get my running backs. And if I don't take Henry or Joe Mixon or whoever here, then I'm just going to be left holding the bag. And then there's going to be the people that are like, okay, I'm comfortable taking Michael Thomas Adams, one of the tight ends or whatever. Um, And those are kind of always the decision points that happen. But yeah, I could see Kelsey and Kittle being uh, at the turn. It always ends up being kind of relative to the draft and in some owners all it takes is like the one guy in the league that's like, I want to jam two tight ends every week and bang, bang, right. and then it starts a run. But I feel like they always settle in that like early to mid second round ADP, regardless of the season they're coming off of. 
It will. Uh, I, I think another thing that will be interesting is like, what do, what do people do with DeAndre Hopkins who had like, you know, like a, a pretty disappointing season, you know, who, you know, who's going to end up on all of your high stakes teams is, is going to be Will Fuller coming off of the, the, the suit and Christian Kirk. Both of those guys are going to be on You're just, just like, uh, just like set yourself up for that. Now you're going to have to sweat those guys out every single week. Yeah, you're completely right. Like I said, I hadn't really thought that through, but those are definitely going to be the guys that slip to the sixth and seventh round that you're just like every time, okay, I guess I have to take them. But dude, yeah, Kyler, what, what Kyler, and Kirk are, Kyler and Kirk are going to explode next year, so I, I can live with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, what, this, is a, this is another good question. What do you think they do with that running back situation? So they got, you know, they got Kenyon Drake, David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. What do you, what do you think happens like with those guys? And are, are we, are we taking David Johnson in the ninth (laughs) round and just being like, whatever, dude, like, let's let it happen. Well, what is what is David Johnson's like contract situation? Is he for sure going to be on the team? He for real can't be cut. It'd be like $17 million of dead money or something like crazy. And they signed Drake, right? Like, did, they, uh, did they extend him or did they just so we gotta we gotta we gotta we got a classic uh uh twitter situation where he like uh he like tweeted out um his like he like changed his avatar into like him and his cardinals jersey like hashtag new profile pick so i think most people are assuming that he's locked into being on the roster well i would say the one thing from a fanny fantasy perspective is even though they had these three guys it seemed like cliff really wanted to have a bell cow in most games like we didn't get too much of the dreaded committee with them so you know for drafts the best way to approach it is probably just take the cheapest one of those guys and hope whether through injuries or whatever that they end up getting the starting role but at least it wasn't like a true three-way mess like so many of these backfields now yeah, I mean, you just you just kind of knew you just kind of knew like, uh, well, whoever's starting that week is actually just going to go ahead and get all the touches. Yeah, because both Chase Drake and David Johnson all had, I want to say, a couple RB one weeks uh, between them. It, so that at least was reliable. Uh, do you know Do you know where Sammy Watkins is going in drafts right now? Man, Dude, he's, I would he's guess liter- double he's, double digits. He's like he's like literally he's like literally in like the sixteenth round. And, and where's Hardman going? Like eighth? Yeah, like way higher. But it's just like yeah. oh, okay, well, it's great. It's going to be another year. It's going to be another year of tying myself to Sammy Watkins. But at least at least it's going to be more cost manageable this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like that's uh that's pretty nice. Whatever. So you've been so you've been uh, I see you've been ramping up your dynasty. You taking on some orphans. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I wanted to do I wanted to do more FFPC, um, like I wanted to do a couple of them, and I just figured, uh, you know, the the lobby is not open yet, so I, I wanted to take over an orphan, and I, the only reason I took over this team, which is a total nightmare, is that it has Damian Williams on it, and yeah. I just, you know, when you can get more Damian equity, uh, are you in any dynasty leagues? I don't even know. Um, yeah, I've I've pared it way down. I'm in like a a hometown type league with a bunch of buddies that um, I played in for like four or five years. And then I'm in one with uh, like Reeves and Sean Siegel, the fake goods league, Tyler Buecher. And that one's pretty good. But I, if I add one, I want to do a best ball one. I just don't want to add any man. We should, I, we should start. We should definitely start like, uh, I, I mean, cause I know I like drew and Leonie and all those guys kitchen. We could, we could start another 12 team super flex best ball dynasty league for sure. Yeah, let's do that because I want to do another startup draft just with none of the 
in-season maintenance. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're all trying to do. It's, it, it is such a bummer, though, to think about getting action down on this year of – of season long fantasy because draft doesn't exist. So it's like, it's, it's created this huge vacuum and, you know, I'm hoping that Yahoo picks it up. I'm hoping that FanDuel launches something, but like, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna suck to not have that. Yeah. Actually, you'll like this because I was listening to your podcast. Who did you do it with? Who are you talking about Noah Fant with? Well, Oh, was it uh Graham? Graham Barfield? Or no, no, no. It was, um, it was Curtis. I listened to that one too. But um, so I'm in a league where I have I'm pretty loaded at with picks and assets, but I have like no tight end. So I was like, I'll start shopping around. I was trying to move uh, Raheem Mostert. Um, so I started sending out some offers. Um, I tried Mostert for fan and Tyler Buger just countered literally a few minutes ago asking for my 201. And I believe you guys were kind of saying that 201. I should I should ship that for fan, right? Oh yeah, big time. You have Raheem Mostert. I mean, well, if Raheem Mostert is he even going to get a hundred carries next year? Well, that's why I'm trying to move him because I figure his name's a little hot. But all these guys are sharp, so it's not like I'm pulling a fast one. But I figured I'd try. Oh, he I was, do that. Noah Fan is a stud, dude. I know. I think I should do that. I thought he was going to go for more. I also have the 101 in this league too, which speaks to how well my season went last year. But you know, we're sitting on what a what a what a baller, dude. Who you taking? Who you taking? 101. Dude, I I get if I gotta be forced into taking a wide uh, running back, I think the one hundred one and one hundred twos are both gonna be running backs in most leagues. I think it'll be Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a pretty the thing about this league, the fake good one is uh, you only have to start one running back, um, and so it's tempting when you can start six wide receivers to just continue to load up on on wide receivers. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I will say, though, there is a big advantage in Dynasty Leagues right now in having Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, like any of these dudes who just get 20 carries a week because, you like, if you're in, a, like, if you're in any kind of – if you are a, a competent fantasy football player, you have six wide receivers who you can start on yeah. any given week and and the uh the the number of, like, guys you're, you're scrounging up on the waiver wire in Dynasty Leagues at running back is, like – I mean, unless you unless you're good at, at dynasty like me, and you picked up Bo Scarborough last year, uh, you you probably you probably are not scooping up very many guys off well, the waiver wire. You'll like that because I'm looking at this roster right now, and I have Bo Scarborough on it. So that's how I, that's how I know you're good at fantasy, <laughs> Pete. That's how I know. Do you know who else uh, is on this team? And I'm doing your segue for you, our Laird and Saver, baby. Our Laird. Our Laird, buddy. I, I traded uh, I traded many, many rookie third-round picks for Patrick Laird last year. <laughs> that's how I know you're bad because I got them for free everywhere. That's how – I mean, that's – Yeah. So, Laird – and I think you and I probably had the same experience with Laird where, like, we, we saw that tweet from, uh, what, Alan Poirot. I don't know. How do you yeah. – what's his last I, name? I, I saw you uh, tweet it. Yeah. Wow. So I, I was I was on the Laird beat faster than you were. You were. You love it. I just am never offline. You occasionally get offline, well, I think. Tell tell the people what the tweet is if they didn't see it. Oh, so Laird is basically participating in this super nerdy program where he gets to go be <laughs> he gets to go be an intern for um uh, a uh, a senator, right? Is yeah. that what Joe Joe Munkin is? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah for West senator? Virginia senator. It's some program that they've had i think i had heard of the program before um i will say davis i think just as a little thing we we owe 
Patrick Laird an apology for a lot of reasons. But the main reason is when people in the fantasy space now hear the name Patrick Laird, they have a Pavlovian response. To get tilted? To get tilted where they think of us ramming that bit down their throat for a month. And they have a negative connotation with Patrick Laird, which we need to kind of do some PR rehab because the dude is the nicest, realest, He's so nice. coolest, legendary person out there. And we have done him a disservice by solely his name for our comedic purposes. The dude is incredible. No bit. It's true. Like he is, Patrick Laird is super nice. He has no, he had like no, um, like negative motivations and hanging out with us or talking to us or anything. Like he just was like, Oh, like these guys are nice and they like me. So like, I'd like to spend time with like, you know, I'd like to meet them, whatever. And uh, like, he was super gracious to us after I'm sure what was like just a miserable day for him against the New York giants. Like that was, that was the worst he played as a member of the dolphins and the team got blown out and he still like hung out with us and now people are, are mad at him because they don't like us. Yeah. And it is actually really interesting, the kind of the running back situation for them going into this season, because it's a hot topic now, right? That the Dolphins have three first round picks and also hashtag fins up. And what, how are they going to spend these picks? And there's a lot of the, the boomers out there that want them to draft an early running back when it's pretty clearly obvious uh, even layered stuff aside that you take a quarterback, a couple offensive linemen or whatever. But I do really think if the Dolphins play this right, they're going to add a running back in the mid rounds. And I do think Laird is going to stick around on the roster as the, as the special teams, the pass catching back. And I, I think he's going to be involved next season. He's going to be involved. They probably, I mean, he's going to be involved because he's a goat special teams player. Like, yeah, but I, I think too, it, and it depends on like the skill set that of the running back that they add. You know, obviously, if they d- add a guy with a three down skill set, that's going to cap his usage. But if they get more of a, you know, we even saw last year the Raiders take Josh Jacobs and they're still using DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. So I don't know. I, I think he's still going to get touches in the running back game. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, big sigh of relief that uh, the person he's doing an internship is a Democrat. That was uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was Google number one when I saw that result because I was I was uh, I mean not that not that I would not that I would sweat that for our boy because he's uh, he's a good man he's a good man but uh, definitely had to, definitely had to sweat that one out a little bit. He said on Twitter, by the way, uh, he's he's going to come back on the show. He said sometime in March he would uh, he would like to come back on the show. So that's uh, as the kids say, it's lit. Yeah, your your reply uh, at hitting him up two months in advance was a little thirsty, but that's how you've kind of played this whole situation from the get go. So I can't say I was surprised. Oh, so <laughs> brutal, dude. So brutal. Did, I mean, what did, what can you do? Did you hear uh, Derek Henry? He's doing an ex- externship with Alex Jones uh, down at Infowars. <laughs> <laughs> really tough scene, dude. <laughs> The Kansas City Chiefs and Damian Williams beating the Tennessee Tides. Honestly, I and I really mean this, I may have been more happy when the Chiefs beat the Titans than when they won the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> at the very least, at the very least, the two days were very comparable because all of these losers on the internet, these absolute losers, they were feeling so big in their britches when the Titans beat the Ravens. I I 
I really don't think I could have lived. I don't think I could have been on Twitter in like a, a post Titans beating the Kansas City Chiefs world. I may have had to retire. Yeah, you would have. Uh, you would have taken that one on the chin. Uh, see, you. What happens too with like being on Twitter and making like takes is like you end up the extent, you know, it's for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And you, right. you knew that the whiplash boomerang effect on that, on hating on Derrick Henry would have just come back at you with the fire of a thousand suns. So you just felt you were more relieved, I would bet than anything. Uh, I mean, here's the thing at no point, at no point, did I think that the Tennessee Titans were going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? I was, I, I mean, pretty much a quarter into the Ravens game, I was like, "Well, I'm just going to have to eat this because that just it's not it's just not going to work out for the Ravens. They just it's just one of those things." And I, the, the Chiefs were the Chiefs were just too good. And and also at a certain point, math math wins, right? Math math always wins in the end. It's it's really it's a beautiful thing about math and. Uh, just, I don't know. I, I feel so happy. I feel so, like the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Damian Williams should have won Super Bowl MVP. I mean, Damian Williams had two touchdowns and 130 yards in the Super Bowl. Like, everyone, everyone who hates me was miserable, and that's a good feeling. Like, to know, to know that everyone who doesn't like me had a miserable experience watching that game does feel good. I mean, even from a macro perspective – it like even if the 49ers would have won I mean just the off-season discourse of you know you need to run the ball 45 times a game to win a right. Super Bowl. I'm just glad we don't have to listen to that uh it would have set the league back another five years it feels like yeah, I mean I I think that we're all we're gonna see a little bit of that from coaches over the offseason they're gonna talk about uh like the the Jaguars are gonna talk about how you know, uh, they get they have their own Derrick Henry in uh, in Leonard Fournette. Like we we are gonna hear a little bit of this stuff happen over the off season, no doubt in my mind, one hundred percent. Like we are gonna hear because um, of of the teams that led the NFL in rushing, I think three of them made the conference championships. Right? I, th- I yeah. think that's how that went. So like we're we are like once we get you know three four months away from Patrick Mahomes going nuclear and winning the Super Bowl, we are going to start to hear that stuff without it without a doubt in my mind. Yeah, it, and for fantasy purposes, like it's great. You know, I want people taking running backs in rounds two through six as much as is possible. So uh, if people want to continue to do that, you know, they pass the eye test, the I know better picks. Uh, let it all happen. Dude, the, the I know better like I mean there's gonna be a ton of I know better picks next year I oh. I actually feel like the the kind of just the weirdness and randomness of this season like yes we had to eat it though actually I did in my I did four high stakes leagues and got like profited on two of the four entries so I didn't I didn't get totally wiped out yeah to me, it was let my biggest. I mean, I've joked about it, but it's real. Like my biggest misstep this season was just drafting Kyler over Lamar. Everywhere. Over Lamar, because yeah. those were the two that, like, you knew you had to go out and get one of them. And I just, I didn't diversify. Me and Pat, we just went all in on Kyler everywhere, and that that changes your season. You know, if you have Lamar instead of Kyler. So in the in the leagues that I did. Uh, the four high stakes leagues did not get Lamar in any of them. And I'm, I, I, I think we added it up 
we we cumulatively missed out on Lamar when we had him in our queue by like a, a combined like 14 total picks across three different leagues. One of the leagues I did with some other friends, but like that is that's also very tough to know is that like, I mean, obviously in casual leagues, you could just get Lamar wherever because there were all those people that were like, oh, he's just a running back or whatever. But in the high stakes leagues, I mean, people knew. Yeah. Yep, that was uh, missing out on that They also one. knew to draft Darwin Thompson in the eighth round. So there's like <laughs> – that is that is something that I will very much keep in mind drafting in the FFPC next year, which is just that like – but if you're drafting in August, you, you probably just got to say you're not getting Justice Hill. You're not getting – like just, just plan on not being able to draft those guys because there's no equity in getting them then. You know what those guys are? They are the man. I'm setting up your segue so good. They are the altcoins, the hot alts of fantasy picks. Where it's oh like, yeah, they're 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 dragon deep 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 brain chain or whatever. Right, and if you drafted you know Darwin when he was the 17th 18th round, you know back when we were doing the Scott Fishbowl, then great, Profit. that's like a perfect thing but when you're taking him in the seventh round of the ffpc like you are now underwater you have bought all the upside um the thing that is tough though is if you are going zero rb even modified zero rb you know you're taking wide receivers through round six i mean the the handcuffs are just as trendy that you're having to pay a premium and yet you do need to fill your your bench with running back slots um so it does get hard you, I mean, you gotta you gotta learn to love shitty boring running backs yeah well pat and i have talked about this a little bit because every year we've gone to the ffpc we've drafted on like literally the day before the day the, before the full main slate and just all the values obliterated it's like betting closing lines in nfl or whatever it's just you might as well flip a coin and, and hope to get lucky whereas i i want to just do a draft this year online immediately when it opens up i'll still go out to vegas do content like have fun maybe do a best ball draft or something but the the mains i think if you're on top of stuff do it as early as possible yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's just good advice, right? I mean, that's good That's good advice for whatever fantasy format you're in. It's just like, or or betting. Just do it. Try and stay on top of things and do it as early as possible. Because, like, the have you have you got a chance to look over Ed Miller's logic of sports betting yet? Yeah, I've actually, um, I, I enjoyed your interview you did with him. I've been kind of just cherry picking chapters and bouncing around. Um, and it, it's really good. So of like all the books I've ever read that have pertained to gambling or sports or whatever, I've probably taken the most away from that book. And probably the number one thing is just like, don't bet closing lines. Don't like do things as early as possible. And, and I mean, obviously that's very hard to apply for, for DFS, but for seasonal, obviously, um, you know, like, Oh, dude. I mean, who can forget the conversations last year of, oh, well, the draft best ball championship, it's already been solved because Tyreek is back from being uh, non-suspended. And, oh, the other one was Duke Johnson, uh, obviously. And everyone's just like, oh, well, the winner's already been drafted. And uh, <laughs> turns out turns out the winner had very much not been drafted. So that was, I mean, I, I just, I always find it funny when people are, are so sure that they are right and they're just clearly, obviously, uh, wrong in the end because I've been you know I've been in that situation many times myself so the last thing that I want to talk to you about before uh, I let you get back to uh, to working from home is uh, just like uh, coin talk show is gone so I don't I don't get to 
I don't get to talk about Bitcoin with anyone really. Like they're, they're just, you know, like I don't get to hear people I, I think are smart talk about Bitcoin. So uh, Jay and Aaron, if you're listening to this, <laughs> yeah. pro- you're probably not uh, bring, bring coin talk show back, but just what are your, what are your feelings about Bitcoin right now? Where, where are we at with BTC? Well, I mean, it's literally pumping at this very second. I just pulled it up. It's at 10 two. Um, and I was looking at my logs cause I just have a weekly buy and I was looking yeah. back literally on December 16th, my buy was at 71.38. It's up what? Four, no, five. All, or what, I can't do math right now. It's up all, over 3,000 since yeah. that last buy in just what, a month and a half. Um, so yeah, I mean, my relationship with Bitcoin right now, um, and it goes back to those, like you said, the, the overconfidence, the emotions. You know, during that first bull run, I learned some tough lessons. And now I feel like I've kind of detached emotions from it and I just have a weekly buy and I, I don't really put too much thought into it. I just think of it as like a, an investment vehicle and I'm not going to be, you know, swayed by the swings, but don't get me wrong. It's sure fun to have all my buys in here at seven and, and see that it's up over 10. So this is my relationship with Bitcoin right now. When it's over 10,000, I'm just like, life is good. I'm doing victory laps. I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting Bitcoin gifts at everyone on Twitter who asked for investment advice. And then when it's under 10K, I'm just like, oh, guys, it's on sale, right? Like, I'm like, oh, I got Bitcoins on sale. And I never, I mean, I never sell. Right. Yeah. And I, I have my, have my week. I have actually, I have a weekly buy and then I have a monthly buy. So that's uh so that I've just, am always, you know, just always, always be stacking sats really. And, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel very good about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think actually the premise that we had the first time you came on the podcast was I wanted to talk to you about Libra and, uh, oh, yeah. guess what doesn't exist anymore? Libra, Libra, <laughs> just, Libra, Libra existed for all of about a week. And then uh, it got, it got bigly shut down. It is kind of crazy. Like all the things, all it's Libra, you know, that have come and gone in Bitcoin. It just keeps plugging away. It's just here. And, and just by virtue of sticking around it, it's just harder for it to go away each and every passing day. Um, the fact that it's at over 10 K now too, I think just kind of really speaks to its its longevity and, and holding power. So yeah, I, I'm still excited about it. Um, but I am kind of, it's in the same way, you know how when you research a DFS slate and then you yeah. put more action on it because you feel like you know you it feel like really you know. well. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm afraid of like getting too much into like watching YouTube videos, reading content. Like I understand the technology. I understand the fundamentals, but I don't want to get worked up into a, oh, I need to go make a big, you know, one-off buy. buy. Yeah. So I like, keeping it at an arm's distance. Yeah. Keeping it at an arm. I mean, that's probably, uh, that is probably intelligent for, uh, any investment, right. And, and, um, another great book recommendation if for, for those of you out there, if you're, if you're looking to tune into this podcast to get book recommendations is fortunes formula by William Poundstone. Uh, it's, it's nominally, it's kind of about the Kelly criterion, but it's really more about uh, a group of guys who, uh, just like, you know, beat hashtag beat the market, but they didn't really beat the market. And in fact, they, they kind of more, just believe that the market is overall efficient and so that you should, you should treat it as such. But one of the big takeaways from that book was just like hedge funds that do well are mostly just running on the good side of variance. And 
the the best thing to do if you are looking to invest your money is just buy index funds and just ride the market basically yeah. and which pertains to bitcoin as well yep yeah i mean the thing is, it's it's like with all this stuff i mean unless you have like intimate knowledge of, of specific sectors or you you have kind of some advantage over the market like they're really, you're just going to get burned. I mean, there's just so many people and algorithms that are just way better at this. Like I can't even fathom the idea of, of trading or you're doing some of the stuff that these guys do, but it's not my life. It's not how I'm spending my time. So it's just thinking of these as larger, you know, emotional detached investment vehicles, I think is the way to go for us normies. The concept of being a trader in 2020 and not just like having an algorithm designed to like, like beat like micro mini millisecond edges in the market is like like if someone told me they were like trying to like trade like by hand like manually i would just be like you're an idiot be like yeah. why like what's even the point like really yeah. what's the point well it, it also the other kind of sobering thought too is like say you know something really well say it's dfs or whatever and then you read an article in the New York Times about DFS and you're reading through and you're like, well, that's a miscategorization. No, that's not true. No, this isn't understanding the point. And then it's like, well, think about all the other things I read in papers of exactly. and take as truth that don't have the industry, you know, domain expertise on it that they probably should if they're writing about it. Which is like what I would assume, you know, many, many people are getting their information that they're using to make financial decisions on is stuff like that. Yeah. And not to mention, it's like, it's the same that we see with like DFS and stuff that moves ownership. It's like all that information is publicly available so quickly now to everyone that there's very likely not an edge in that piece of information. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. It's very tough to beat the market in, in anything. I mean that that's the whole the whole uh, efficient market hypothesis is that people that people that beat the market over the short term probably just got lucky in that most markets are most most markets are efficient. I don't I don't really know if I like believe that overall like I think that most markets have like well the the less liquid a market is, the more beatable it is. Something something I noticed is uh, if you're if you're really trying to DJ out listening to this XFL live lines because there is no historical modeling really to put into this stuff. Not only not only do we not know how the two points and the three points and that stuff interact, but like coaching decisions and stuff is not built into these models at all. Um, so for example, the St. Louis Battlehawks were up what was it 12 to six or 10 to six in that game against the renegades, but they were three and a half point dogs and they were plus plus one ten on the money line in the fourth quarter in the game against the renegades. And I, I was like, I mean, the team that's winning shouldn't be a dog right now, but yeah. like, like normally, normally when you make those bets, you, you think like, Oh, this action will get canceled or this was a misposting or whatever. But that, that one paid out, which was just like, I was shocked. There you go. Yeah, no, the live lines are fun. Even like, again, I feel so stupid talking about like sports betting things that, you know, people know more. People have people. Yeah. I, I'm not the first person to discover that live lines yeah. are, uh, I, I, this is, a, this is a point literally stolen from Ed's book. Well, yeah, but even just the, but like you were saying, I mean, I saw it a lot in the NFL, uh, playoffs where like, say when the chiefs were big favorites over, um, you know, Houston or the Titans and it's like that, you know, whatever their thing was and they go down, you know, that first touchdown and the odds just pump. Yeah. Big, they're they're like, minus minus one fifty all of a sudden. 
Yeah, and it's like the thesis behind the play, you know, didn't change uh, overall uh, in the game. It, it almost feels like I started being like, you know what, if I I didn't make too many big bets on the Super Bowl too, because I was like, I'll just watch. And if I think, because I like the Chiefs, and I was like, oh, if the Chiefs get down early, then maybe I'll put the bet. You know, just that idea of like, can you value hunt with the live lines on, on who you think is the better team? I mean, certainly you can sometimes. And there's also, uh, you know, there's also a lot of value in watching the games. Like if you like watching, like uh, if you would, if you'd been watching that Vipers Guardians game and you were like, dude, holy crap, Aaron Murray's like the worst quarterback I've ever seen. They were still favored for like, like a good chunk of that first half. And you could have, I mean, you could have just been hammering that Guardians, uh, that Guardians money line because I just, I never want to see Aaron Murray on my TV again, basically. Oh, I- I felt good. I had made I had made one XFL futures bet, and it was the Vipers under seven and a half win total, nice. which just feels so good right now. I uh, I am four and one on on XFL bets. I I I live bet the Vipers at at half, or maybe it was in the second. They were plus seven and a half. That was the that was the one I lost. There you go. I, scenes. I donked, I donked it up with, um, so the over unders first came out and I messaged, uh, Jimino, uh, cause he had been doing a lot of the XFL stuff over at RG. And I was like, what's your thought on these? And he's like, those all seem high to me. So I just blanket bet the unders on all of those. Then I watched the first game and you know, there was a lot of like stalled out scoring drives. I'm like, these games are going to shoot out. I was like, um, and so then I course corrected. And I was like, I'm getting back and bet the the overs on them. And I was looking good with, you know, PJ Walker and, and that game. And then, of course, then Sunday they both go under. So that's me as a sports better is literally changing my mind halfway through and just paying the rake and uh, other than breaking even. So take advice from me. I mean, I, you, see, you, you love to see it. You love to see it. What, uh, what are you going to do for content over the offseason? Are, are you just chilling right now? Yeah. Does Fantasy been- Men's have something planned? No, I mean Denny's taking uh, his his hiatus. Oh yeah, his sixty nine days off. Yeah, he's working on his uh, a book. Um, like I said, I'm I'm going uh, on a long trip in March, so I'm just kind of I've been doing a bunch of research for that, and I'm excited to XFL aside, just take um, at least March off, and then we'll see. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, no no official content stuff right now. Well, uh, I mean, if people out there want you and I to do a podcast about something, I mean, obviously we're going to get, we're going to get our Laird back, uh, on the, you know, on the show eventually, but if people, you know, if you guys want Pete and I to do a show about something, if you, if you, if you have, if you have content ideas for us, but I mean, maybe, maybe we will, maybe we will do an XFL podcast only. Although this podcast was more XFL heavy than, uh, than I had uh, originally planned on. Well, what can you do? That's all it's that we have our fingers on the pulse. That's all that matters right now. It's, I mean, it's true. You are, you are an XFL thought leader and I, I wouldn't dare take that away from you. Dude, I, when Ian asked about, uh, he, when he prodded me on Twitter for being like, you know, where's your XFL content? And I had changed my Twitter bio to say XFL thought leader. I gained no joke, like 400 followers from all of his people thinking that they were actually following like a legit XFL guy. So Thanks to Ian for, uh, you know, feeding my family. People are, people are thirsty for it, man. It's crazy. Like people are, they're loving this stuff. Good for them.
Good for them, man. But I need a break, man. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter's not, Peter's not watching this weekend. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, I will be back next week with uh, some more content, probably some more actionable content in the next episode. I'm recording with Vlad Sedler, uh, Rotogut on uh, high stakes fantasy baseball. I, I'm going to play in the NFBC this year. I'm going to do a, a team with with Nate and Sammy, we're doing we're doing the Gil Casco's high stakes. Oh it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be good stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, Sammy, like he's deep in those MLB streets, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like what, whatever guy. He's like he's like playing poker like half professionally right now. So good for him. I know. I I enjoyed that episode. It's cool to hear his thoughts. Yeah, I, I'm I I uh, I'm loving I'm loving uh, trying to you know not be horrible at poker right now. So that's uh, well, that's, that's well, currently well, my life. Well, playing while you're doing an interview seems like a great place to start with not being horrible at it. It's just it's like I I just I always got to be getting better. I always got to be getting better, Peter. You know, that's, that's right. the most important thing. It's it's just always about trying to get better. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing the show, everyone. You know, give Peter some more Twitter followers. He needs he needs some more Twitter followers. He only has like ten thousand four hundred. He just we're re- we're trying to make him better, and uh, so I, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> If as a personal favor, you guys went ahead and gave Peter a follow, and uh, we will be back next week. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.